to throw is Darnold. Looks left. Fires one down the left sideline. Towards the end zone. Robbie Anderson. He's got it. That's a jet touchdown. Dumps it to Bell. And Le'Veon Bell takes it. It's for the touchdown. Crowder across the 30. 35-40. Crowder. Hurts on the Jets. He's going to go all the way. Jamison Crowder. And now it's intercepted by Mosley. He's going to score, Jim. And he's in. Touchdown, C.J. And welcome to the Cool Your Jets podcast for August 12, 2019. How's it going? The Jets actually had a real-life NFL football game this past week against the New York Giants, so Michael and I have actually something to talk about. Uh, so we'll break that down. Uh, in addition, there's some news uh, that surfaced in these past few days that we could talk about, specifically with the, the kicker situation and the cornerback situation. Uh, we asked you guys again because last week was so awesome with the hashtag AskCYJ. We got a whole mailbag to break down and obviously we'll preview the Jets second preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm Ben Blessington. This is the Cool Your Jets podcast with Michael Nania. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. And, you know, it was fun to see the Jets finally come back. And, you know, once preseason games kind of settle in, then you realize that it's not actually real football. But it was fun to see them back. And we also got a lot of real live action to talk about, which is fun. And the news has been rolling in a lot off the field with injuries and stuff and surprise retirements that we didn't expect. So uh, things are really picking up and we're four Sundays away. So uh, yeah, it's definitely fun to be back with preseason football and regular season is on the way. So uh, football's coming back. You can definitely feel it. Yeah. And if you'd like to follow our Twitter account, you can follow the podcast, which I run at CYJ pod. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania, and you can follow my personal account at Ben W Blessington. Uh, also, our podcast is now on every streaming platform, or I guess I shouldn't say every, we're still working on that, but it is finally on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Google, we're working on getting it on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, anything else that you want, but it's also on like PodCoin and all those other sites. Um, so if you now you can listen to the podcast uh, on a wide variety of, of platforms. When the first episode came out, uh, it, was, it was kind of touch and go there for, for a day and a half there, two days. Um, but we'd like to thank you for the amount of support that we got for our first episode, our first official episode. It was really fun making it, um, and, and we're, we're looking forward to making more. Um, but we would love some more reviews and ratings on iTunes. That helps us out since we're a new feed. It, it'll, it'll help us get more listeners. Uh, so if, if you have any spare time, just a quick moment to go search up Cool Your Jets on iTunes and write us a, a quick review. That means the world to us, and it helps our podcast out a lot. And also, if you'd like to find this Jets podcast and other Jets podcasts and other Jets content, you can go to the best place uh, for that at turnonthejets.com. Uh, our podcast is there alongside some of my favorite podcasts that I listen to uh, when I'm driving to work or whatnot. Uh, so make sure you check them out uh, at turnonthejets.com. But, Michael, as we talked about at the beginning, the Jets had a real-life football game, so let's talk about it. Jets, Giants, kind of your initial thoughts, what you liked, what you didn't like uh, from Adam Gase's first game uh, as the Jets head coach. Well, first of all, whenever you look back at this game, whether it's on video or in pictures, the first thing that jumps out at you is those uniforms. And they're very sexy. I love them. And, uh, you know, I think there was some skepticism for me initially, uh, especially with the leak picture that came out when they were first uh, before they were first announced. But they've slowly grown on me. And seeing them on the field, and, and these uniforms are made for the field. So those the stripes on the shoulders, I think, look a lot better on there. But I'm going kind of off topic, the uniforms. But the uniforms look great. I love the uniforms, and I'm excited to see uh, the other sets. The all-white was great. But uh, other than that, I think there were a few different players that stood out to me. I think Greg Dorch did a really good job in the punt return game. All three of his returns were 10-plus yards. One of them were called back, but 
Uh, he was making people miss on those returns, which is something Andre Roberts did not do a lot of, even though he's productive. He didn't really make that many people miss. Greg Dortch did do that and gave us some confidence he could fill that role and be productive. So Greg Dortch was really impressive. Uh, the opening drive for the Jets offense was really good. The Jets haven't scored an opening drive touchdown since uh, midway through 2017. So to see Adam Gase's offense come out and do that right away, even if it was preseason, uh, it was definitely promising to see a few different starters look good. Crowder, Herndon, Osemele looked really good. I, I think Kalachi Osemele actually uh, was my favorite player to watch in that game. The most promising player going forward. He looked like his elite self on that first drive. And it was one drive, but he was really dominant on that drive. So Osemele is really promising the starting offense as a whole. And I think uh, other reserve guys, I think Foley Fadokasi, he played well. Frankie Luvu, Chuma Idoga was really good. Uh, so I think those three guys out of the reserves were my favorites but uh yeah i think overall those are my positive thoughts yeah i think my biggest takeaway that is that uh adam gase is even more of a psychopath than than we originally thought he was oh the, the smelling, smelling salt that was amazing before before we'll, preseason we'll game. smelling salt and not something that is worse than that <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was just like an ammonia packet or whatever and just, but geez he is what a maniac and then the, uh, connor hughes also had that article that that on the athletic that kind of like oh his his habits are like he sleeps like three hours a day and drinks like eight cups of coffee and t- doesn't see his wife at all and just uh, yeah he's an absolute maniac but you know i guess if he has the right talent around him and maybe a maniac is exactly what the jets need uh yeah i mean i think you touched on a lot of it with the new with the new uniforms uh you know i've i've been a fan you know first i was kind of hesitant of, of them i think as most fans were getting used to the, the helmet logo and the stripes or whatnot um, they've grown on me. I think the helmets definitely looked really good. Uh, I'm actually a fan of the shoulder stripes. I think they're just kind of yeah, neat. I do, and they look good on the uniforms because that's they when do. they're made to like go in front of the chest. Like on jerseys, they're kind of like they really look that good on the jerseys that like you buy and fans wear. But on yeah. the uniforms, they look good. yeah, that's a perfect. I think that's that's accurate. Is on the actual uniform that players wear, they look good. But on like just your average guy, they they don't look that good. And also because uh, like. The jerseys you buy have sleeves that go down your arms, but the the uniforms are made for the shoulder pads, so it's like your arms go down out of them. Like they're made differently, so the stripes yeah. look a lot better on them. Definitely. Um, and then I guess my one criticism of it, but I guess it's not a criticism because it it makes sense. Was at times the numbers looked way darker than every other part of the uniform, but I guess that that's I just, agree with that does show up a little bit sometimes. Uh, my only thing, I, it has to be Gotham Green. There's no way they mess that up. I guess what it is is just the lights bouncing off the the helmet make that seem way brighter, and so then the numbers seem darker. But it was only at a, like a certain part of the game, and I guess the Jets aren't going to play many seven o'clock games, so we don't really have to think about it that much. Um, but those are the little things. As far as players go, I think you yeah you touched on it. As far as guys that stood up, yeah, Chuma Doga specifically in pass protection was pretty impressive, and you know this is the guy that Sam Darnold said he wants to be his his franchise left tackle. Uh, and he looked good as far as, as protecting uh, uh, Trevor Simeon. Yeah, he had some issues in the run blocking game, but you know, in, in his first game, uh, I thought I was fairly impressed with him. Frankie Louvu obviously looked pretty good. There were times where Blake Cashman also looked pretty good. He, I think he made he did make some mistakes, but you know, he definitely you know showed that speed. I think was it Rich Semini or something he had that next gen stat that he he was like the fastest player on the field at one point, just flying around the ball. So you know, I think, I think so. yeah, he, he had some good moments. There, it was definitely not perfect. He wasn't yeah. like the star that he has been throughout some of training camp but you saw the flashes and why he's a guy who could get some legitimate reps right away 
Yeah, he's a guy that's going to be in the nickel packages and probably in that 4-3 look that we saw a lot of, actually, you know, on that first game. This defense is a hybrid. We saw 3-4. We saw 4-3. We obviously saw nickel and whatnot. Speaking of the nickel situation, yeah, the the cornerback and specifically the cornerback depth situation is is dire, and it's gotten even worse now that Tremaine Johnson— we're recording this on Sunday, so today that it was announced that Tremaine Johnson hurt his hamstring, and he's going to be out indefinitely, so we have to monitor that situation. Hopefully he's back by week one, but— even if he's there or if he's not, this cornerback situation is bad. You know, Brian Poole, I like him. He's a very physical slot corner, but he's had his issues in, in, in coverage. Tremaine Johnson had a pretty bad season last year. We're hoping he can bounce back to what he was with Greg Williams in 2016 and 2017. And Daryl Roberts is fairly unproven. I mean, he's inconsistent. He had a great game against the Vikings last year, but he's had a lot of bad games. And then after that, it's just a bunch of nobodies. And, you know, from watching Hard Knocks last year, I guarantee you that Greg Williams is in that cornerback room saying, you know, who's going to step up because we don't have anybody right now. Um, I would expect the Jets to make a move at that spot. Obviously, there's some questions in that in the mailbag. But, yeah, just seeing guys like Perry Nickerson and and Derek Jones and whatnot getting blown by. Uh, Obviously, Derek Jones got released for a tight end who's probably not even going to make the roster. So I don't know what that says about Jones, how he's playing in practice or what he is um, in the locker room and whatnot. He seemed fairly like. So that move was a little bit perplexing. But yeah, this this team has an issue in the secondary. I guess they get a bit of a bonus or a boost, I should say, uh, that Marcus May has now returned to the starting lineup. He's been taken off the PUP list. I don't expect him to play much during preseason, but that at least means that he should be back for week one, which is a good sign. But yeah, that cornerback situation is dire and they're going to have to address it. It's even worse than I thought it was just seeing it in action, um, seeing Daniel Jones pick them apart. Um, just, yeah, overall, I was fairly impressed with Adam Gase's play calling in that first drive. And I thought Greg Williams, you know, showed some different looks that I hadn't seen from the Jets in a while. I was impressed with the coaching. I was impressed with some of those young guys, but definitely some flaws there, um, that, that we'll, we'll get to in a bit with the, with the mailbag questions, uh, I guess, but I guess probably the biggest flaw was, uh, I guess maybe not the biggest flaw, but one of the most notable flaws was the kicking situation with Chandler Catanzaro. He looked absolutely terrible. I mean, he had one, I think it was a field goal or an extra point that was just so far off uh, that didn't even hit the kicking net. Um, but he actually retired today. So he said that he was done. He was so bad that he that he quit, basically. Uh, the Jets signed Taylor Bertolet, or Bertolet, we don't really know, um, who was with the team uh, last year in training camp. But yeah, this is kind of a dire situation in addition to the cornerback uh, room. So uh, Michael, I guess I'll just open it up to you talking about the kicker situation. Obviously, the Jets had a Pro Bowl kicker last year, but they let him walk. I know you have some analytics and numbers on it. This is your forte. This is kind of the podcast forte. Give the listeners some numbers uh, on the on the special teams unit from last year to this year. Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot lately about just the decisions to move on from Myers and Roberts. And, you know, it was really interesting because these are two guys who were, you know, pro bowlers last year. Roberts was an all pro. Myers was a pro bowler. They had great seasons. And the Jets decided to let them go after they were number one in special teams DVOA last year. So, They were really curious decisions at the time, and for the most part, I've been okay with the decision just because of the regression that you would expect, because these are two guys who were not great before coming to the Jets. Myers was actually pretty bad. He led the league in total misses uh, over his first three years in the league, and Roberts was pretty mediocre. But uh, I I want to look into the numbers because like, I've been assuming throughout most of the offseason that you would expect that regression, but I want to see, uh, just look back at other players who have had similar breakouts and seen how they responded after those seasons. So with Roberts in particular, his regression would be a lot more likely than Myers. And those numbers were actually, they really popped out. So I looked at Roberts led the league in punt return average last season. So I looked at all the guys to lead the league in punt return average since 2000. And every single one saw their average decline the next season. 
on an average of about six whole yards. So that is about the d- difference between what would be average and the the number that Roberts had last season, about a league leading number. So, and they also fell to about 22nd among qualifiers in punt return average. So that means on average, the uh, the league leaders in punt return average have fallen to being in the bottom half of the league among all returners. So with Roberts, his regression was pretty likely. But with Myers, it was a little bit different. It was a, a little more mixed. I looked at all the kickers that had been outside of the top 10 in field goal percentage at least three times and then jumped up to top 10 for the first time after at least three seasons outside the top 10. And among those guys, they on average fell to 16th in field goal percentage the next season. So not as far as the punt returners, but you know, there was a mixed bag of what you saw from those guys. There were some guys actually like a player is available now, Matt Bryant, who led the league the season after he was top 10 for the first time. Then after that, he became an elite kicker for the rest of his career. Then there were some other guys who fell to 30th, 25th uh, after their breakout season. So, you know, with both of them, I think that, you know, you have to acknowledge that regression was likely just because of how they played before they came to the Jets. But at the same time, I think the Jets needed to have a better fallback plan in place if they were going to let them go. And, And, you know, with Roberts, I think, you know, he didn't get a big deal. I think he signed a one-year, $2 million deal. So at that price, I would have liked him back. But even with the regression numbers, I, I think it still would have been good to just at least have him there to compete with guys like Greg Dorch. And so you don't have to throw Trent Cannon out there, a kick returner, if you know if Dorch can't take that spot. But he would have been okay to have back. But uh, with both of them, I think at the same time, you have to acknowledge that regression is likely. Neither of those guys are going to be as good as they were last season. That's basically a lock. And most likely they're going to be average, more likely below average than above. But uh, at the same time, I think the Jets should have had better contingency plan, especially at kicker, because, you know, Catanzaro is exactly who Myers was before last season. Catanzaro leads the league in total missed field goals and extra points over the last three seasons. And it, it worked last season with Myers, but it's really unlikely to happen twice in a row. And obviously Catanzaro hasn't even made it to the season, so it hasn't worked. Uh, so I think the contingency plan needed to be better. And, you know, Myers Myers did get seven million guaranteed, and Catanzaro got six hundred six hundred thousand guaranteed. So over ten times more, even though their field goal percentage is only 05 percent difference over the course of their career. So you can see where the Jets are going with that thought process. But you're looking at Myers guy who's trending up versus Catanzaro guy who's trended down. So I think the fallback plans need to be better because at this point you're looking at you know the Jets are looking at one of the worst kicker situations in the league. You're, you've got Catanzaro in there who's gone. Uh, Bertolette, who has really struggled in college and hasn't been great uh, in practice so far for them. you got Blair Walsh, who's been really bad the past few years. Uh, Chris Blewett, who was really bad in college and has also bounced around. So a lot of bad names. So you're looking at now the Jets potentially most likely being near the bottom of the league. And anything can happen. Kicker performance is really erratic. But you're looking at these names, and it's, it's really scary and nerve-wracking with some of the names that they're dealing with. These are guys who most likely seem like they're going to be near the bottom of the barrel. But with Myers, you're looking at, even though regression is likely for him, he's going to be worse this year than he was last year. That's very likely. But at the same time, all those kickers that I looked at who had a similar breakout as he did, their field goal percentage the next season, even though it was lower than their top 10 season, was about 5% higher than their previous career average. So that kind of shows that those breakouts were legitimate and that they were maintaining still being better than they were at the start of their careers, even if they weren't as good as they were in the breakout year. So that would put Myers at about 86% this year if he dropped that much, which is still slightly above average, pretty good. He would miss about probably two more field goals than last year, which isn't that much. It's significant, but 
not too much. But overall, I think the Jets uh, should have had a better contingency plan. The thought process was okay, letting both of those guys go, uh, expecting them to regress, especially Myers with the guaranteed money he got. But uh, the conting- the contingency plans yeah. should be better. Yeah, as you said, I mean, look, the numbers backed up or, or just at least didn't go against the Jets letting go uh, of Myers and Roberts. I, I'm actually excited to watch Greg Dortch uh, return punts. I think he can return kicks as well. I, I would be surprised uh, if if you saw him this pat this next week uh, re- returning kicks. As far as Myers goes, yeah, I mean, look, he got a higher guarantee. It was kind of an outlier season. I was okay with them walking, but yeah, you can't go in with no plan and your plan can't be Chandler Catanzaro who struggled said he didn't want to kick in cold weather had a bad year last year and then has come in and pretty much sucked all offseason now he's retired now you're left with the guy who was struggling in the AAF uh, Taylor Bertolet was not good this spring so I don't know I, I'm I'm on the fence about this I will say though that you have to remember Jason Myers was was signed, excuse me, uh, in I think it was August 20th or August 21st. So he was signed right ahead of the season, uh, just before it. So I, I don't think it's I don't think the Jets uh, I don't think the Jets situation is as dark and gloomy maybe as some Jets fans think it is. I think they're going to monitor some of these kicking competitions and sign you know the loser of it. I think you're going to see some you know some great kickers hit the market um, like that. It kind of always happens around around training camp. I mean you know. With a situation like corner where the Jets have obviously a dearth of talent and they're looking for any sort of, you know, replacement or whatnot, that's a much harder position to fill. With kicker, though, these competitions happen. A lot of teams bring in two kickers, and there's oftentimes a kicker who gets cut who's very good. So I think the Jets' plan is probably to just stick with Bertolette for the next, you know, two, three weeks, see if he shows them anything. But when that after that fourth week when when the cuts come and you see a kicker hit the market, I think that's when they're going to sign a guy bring him in for a workout, and if they like him more than Bertolette, especially if Bertolette struggles, then that's the guy they're going to roll with. I'm not that worried about that, and I think Roberts, you know, his replacement looked kind of good in Greg Dortch last night, uh, or last night, a few nights ago, uh, returning punts. We have to see him return kicks, but again, I don't think it's as dire. I'm not that worried about the special teams unit. Obviously, we know they have a great, you know, special teams coach in Brant Boyer, who had the best unit in the league last year, uh, and they have the GOAT holder yeah, in Mac yeah. Edwards. They do have him. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's a position that I'm worried about, but I don't think uh, it's as dire as the cornerback situation. Yeah, um, like I think that because you know, a special teams can be it's it's overrated in a way to that uh, kickers can lose you a game. They can lose you one game. They can do that. It you know you saw Cody Parkey last year. Those games happen all the time. But overall, it doesn't. They don't have that much value over the course of a season. The difference between what an average kicking team gets out of their kicker and the worst team in the league is usually only a few field goals, like three or four. So it really doesn't matter. It's not something that doesn't matter. It definitely matters, but it's still well, yeah. the reason that special teams is what it is and not considered with offense and defense because it doesn't matter as much. And you yeah, know, but people... not that many teams every year are that bad at kicking. Like we've seen with the Chargers a lot. They have seasons where kicking kills them and that happens sometimes and it could happen with this Jets team looking at where they are, but it's it's still not likely. It doesn't usually only happens to one or two teams a year, and the Jets could be that team this year, but uh, I, I think they'll get it figured out. There are some solid names out there, and Douglas has done a good job so far plugging holes, so we'll see what he does. 
Yeah, and there's two things to keep in mind. I, one, I forgot to bring up, you know, I, I am a fan of Matt Bryan, and I think that I think the Jets' plan right now is to roll with Bertolette for a much lower guarantee because they can cut him in a few weeks if they like a guy that shakes free. But Matt Bryan, he's 44. If none of those options work out, he's a guy that, you know, has, hasn't retired, and his last season was pre- pretty good. The thing that I want to talk about, though, is Adam Gase is, you know, this is a staff that's been floated around a lot, is 20 and 6, I think, in one score games, one position games, whatever it is. You know, he generally as a head coach has been in a lot of close games and I don't expect that trend to change this year. They have a lot of tough games early on. These games will come down to bad kicking or good kicking. I guess they need to make their field goals. So I, I know you're downplaying it a little bit and I am too, but it is an important thing. I'm just not that worried about the, the fallback plan. I don't think they had a good one in the spring, but I think they have another opportunity in a few weeks to, to right a few wrongs and get a kicker in here uh, that, that can win them some games, and that's not you know terrible. I'm glad they didn't cha- uh, trade for the, the guy from the Ravens, Vidvek. Um, you know, I, I obviously he has some potential. He hit some he's hit some nice kicks in preseason. Yeah, and, that, and that was definitely something the Jets shouldn't have done. A fifth rounder for a guy who made a few kicks. He made 12 of 13 in the preseason the last couple of years, which is good. But if he makes one less, then it's just an average percentage. And in college, he didn't kick until his last season, and he only made 63 percent uh, when he did. So he definitely has not proven enough for that value. Yeah. And I think Joe Douglas is going to need those picks uh, to, to probably acquire another cornerback uh, for this team. Uh, but we'll talk about that in this Q and a session. So let's open it up to the Q and a, the, the mailbag uh, we'll go from at uh, prep disappointment. Um, ask CYJ were the backup DBs struggling badly against Daniel Jones or were they picked apart? It didn't seem to me like Jones was being asked to do too much thinking. Uh, I'll take this one first. Yeah. I mean, look, Daniel Jones in his debut, I mean, obviously this kid has taken a lot of heat uh, and a lot of hate, uh, you know, being the Giants number six uh, pick. Uh, a lot of people don't didn't think he deserved that. Uh, but I mean, he looked fairly good. I mean, but you have to remember Christian Hackenberg did the exact same thing a few years ago. It didn't seem like Daniel Jones was going through his progressions or his reads. It was really just looking at a guy and throwing. He was fairly accurate. I mean, he looked good. He looked composed. You know, he obviously didn't crap the bed, so there's some stuff to like. But, yeah, I mean, he's with the starters going up against the backup Jets uh, defense and specifically a secondary that has little to no depth, and he wasn't going through reads or whatnot. So I wouldn't say that he picked them apart. I, you know, I just think our, our backup DBs aren't that good, and I think he was just in a great situation there. Um, but, but I mean, I guess, and I, I should add that on his touchdown pass, I mean, between Santos Ramirez and I think it was maybe it was Kyron Brown, I don't want to mess it up, they both had opportunities to pick that ball off. So I don't know. I, I'm not yeah, you know, putting Daniel Jones in the hall yet. He, he had a, that was a really good drive. He made some really good throws, especially that touchdown at the end. But uh, the back of DBs are pretty bad, and that's what we kind of saw throughout the rest of that game uh, when they got carved up by the other two Giants quarterbacks that came in. But it's a little bit of both. Jones was really good on that drive. But uh, obviously, you mentioned Hackenberg. That, that came to mind right away. It was the same exact matchup. Uh, Hackenberg came into the preseason on his first drive, looked pretty much just as good as Jones did. Maybe, maybe not as good, but he did have a really good first drive. But uh, Jones was good on that drive, but the backup DBs are pretty bad. And that's uh, the theme with the Jets right now and something they've got to figure out. Yeah, that'll be something that, that'll be monitoring, I guess, in these next few weeks of preseason or whenever Daniel Jones plays. Obviously, there's, you know, hints of a quarterback controversy brewing uh, for, for the Crosstown rivals. But, you know, I'm not necessarily sold on Daniel Jones just yet. I've kind of just said that I don't think he's as bad as people think he is, but I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's just kind of like a middle of the pack. Definitely not worth the the six overall pick in my mind. But, you know, he had a good drive, I guess, uh, you know, but we have to see him really go up against starting defenses and making reads and, and how does he operate when the pro- when the pocket breaks down and whatnot. So 
I mean, we that that's just stuff that you're going to see in the, these next few weeks. And, and I think Giants fans obviously are happy about his performance, but I, I think some are overreacting to it. Um, from Frank uh, JDE Nike. Uh, I messed that up so badly. Frank JDE Nike. There we go. Hashtag ask CYJ. Question for the pod. Williams is creative at the DC position, but the lack of starting talent outside of pool and the lack of depth is a major concern. And we're right back where we were a couple years ago. What are the options and, and thoughts on this? Uh, Michael, I, I started the last one. I'll give you, I'll give you this one. Yeah, so I'm, I, they definitely have to do something here because I know Douglas, and you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the kickers, that Douglas probably doesn't want to give up draft picks right now. He hasn't even made his first draft yet with the team, so he's going to want to have that ammunition for next April. So he probably doesn't want to give up that those draft picks, but with the way this position looks, uh, looks right now, especially if Tremaine Johnson misses any time, uh, he had an injury as reported today, we still don't know how long he's going to be out, but especially if he's out, and even if he's in, he still has some questions to answer, but especially if he's out, uh, this is easily the worst cornerback group in the league, or most likely the worst group in the league, and it, it's a group that can lose you some games, that even with everything else good the Jets have going on, they can lose some games if they have cornerbacks this bad, and you look at the Chiefs last year, they were a team that were pretty bad defensively, especially in the secondary, and still won a lot of games, but that's because they had a quarterback who threw over 50 touchdown passes. So unless the Jets are going to be that good offensively, this cornerback group is bad enough to where it can tank everything else. So uh, obviously the Jets want to win some games this year, uh, and Douglas does want to keep those draft picks. But uh, if the Jets do want to win this year, like of course they do, then they're going to have to make a move here to upgrade that position, especially if Johnson is hurt. So uh, they're going to have to get creative. And there are, you know, they could get maybe guy like Ramsey gets mentioned a lot. You don't know how available he actually is. But, you know, maybe the Jets do have to do that. Give up a second rounder or a first rounder for a Ramsey or an Xavier Rhodes to get a star like that to fix this position. Because, you know, maybe there aren't that many good under the radar names available or they could just you know, they could also just wait until the end of, you know, once the cuts start rolling in towards the third, fourth week of the preseason. But, you know, whatever they do, they have to get something done here because cornerback is a position that can lose you games because, you know, your pass rush, pass rush is super important. But if you don't have a pass rush, like there are ways to mitigate that just with the way you play your coverages and just you can dial up blitzes to create pressure. But if your cornerbacks are going to get toasted off the line every single snap, like these guys are, if they start for the Jets, then your pass rush can't account for that. There are not many ways you can make up for that. So cornerback loses you games if you're really bad there. So the, whatever they do, they definitely have to get aggressive fixing that. Yeah, I think you're going to see Joe Douglas trade for a guy and then fill out the depth uh, You know, in a few weeks after training camp cuts. I don't think there's anybody on this team right now at that position uh, that – is that good, frankly? I mean, maybe you see a guy like Kyron Brown or somebody who who can t- continues to impress during training camp and can maybe make some plays in one of these preseason games. But as I said, Greg Williams is definitely standing in front of that room saying, who's going to step up? You know, who's going to be that guy? You know, especially if Tremaine Johnson's hurt, I think that just puts an even bigger spotlight on this position. So, yeah, I think you're going to see Joe Douglas try to trade for somebody. Now, the level of guy that he's going to trade for will vary. I mean, look, if he's going to want a guy like Jalen Ramsey, one, we don't know if he's going to be available. But if he wants a guy like that, I mean, that's a multiple first round, you know, draft pick type deal. That's that's a Khalil Mack type deal. Um, you know, maybe there's a guy like Darius Slay who's kind of also on that that um, tier, but maybe he'd be a little cheaper. I think you're going to see him, you know, target that next wave. You know, maybe you can get a guy like Roswell Douglas from the Eagles. You know, you could look at another team that he was with. Joe Douglas was with in the Ravens. They have, you know, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr. Um, you know, there's just there are options for him. I mean, and then sorry, the, the other one is Minnesota, who has uh, a surplus of cornerbacks. They could go, as you mentioned, Xavier Rhodes or maybe a guy like Trey Waynes. 
there are options for them, but they're going to have to, you know, give up draft capital. And I know Joe Douglas, who's a guy who prides himself on being, uh, you know, a tremendous scout. He's going to want those picks for his first draft. But when you're entering the season and a guy from, you know, an undrafted for, you know, rookie from, you know, Akron uh, is going to be, you know, a starting corner for you if Tremaine Johnson's out. That's not good, and you're not going to win many games. We talk about Adam Gase being 20-6 and in one-score games. The two positions that can swing that a lot, corner and kicker, and the Jets are weak at both. So, yeah, I think you're going to see him trade for a guy, uh, bring him towards the top of the depth chart, maybe being that, that number two guy. And then I think you're going to see him fill out the, the, the back end with, with some depth. Uh, maybe a guy like Montreal Meander sticks around. Maybe a guy like Kyron Brown sticks around. But I think you're going to see a lot of new faces uh, you know, in a month. Um, let's go at gangreen82. Must be a big James Crowder fan. Hashtag ask CYJ. Will Roberts be the week one starter opposite Johnson, or is there another cornerback on their current roster that could beat him out? Uh, he also kind of asked, again, a similar question about cornerback depth. On the roster right now, I think Roberts is the week one outside corner. I, I don't think there's anybody uh, that's stepping up. Maybe there's a guy like Montreal Meander or somebody who can really fly up the depth chart. But Roberts, you know, I don't think he's that good, but he's not that bad. Um, so I think he'll stay there uh, in that position. Now, if the Jets trade for somebody like I just mentioned, obviously he would be bumped down to the fourth corner spot, which I think we're a lot more comfortable with him there. Um, you know, Greg Williams uses that dime look a lot. He likes that four corners out there, and the Jets currently don't have the personnel to really support that. Um, but I think if they could trade for somebody and move Roberts down the depth chart, I'd be pretty comfortable with the cornerback group in that situation. But no, there's nobody on the roster right now, in my mind, that, that could shoot up uh, and and shoot up to the number two and, and move Daryl Roberts down. Michael, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think earlier in the offseason, I thought there might be a chance that someone could do that. But as it's played out, it seemed obvious that uh, Roberts is the number two guy. And, you know, he could be the number one corner uh, when they play the Bills in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely I think he's locked in. To number two and I'm kind of a fan of Roberts I think as a number two corner I think he's I think he's decent for a number two corner spot number one is a different story but uh, I, I think he's had some really good moments and I think he he was getting in a groove last season in the Vikings and Bears games until he had to start playing safety once Marcus May went down and that is not his position at all so uh, I think he was on having a good season last year until he had to make that switch but uh, I, I think I like Roberts more than most people I like his physicality I think he's a good tackler underneath but uh I, he's definitely the number two corner he's locked into that spot yeah and as we said I, I fully expect joe douglas to make a trade in this next week i mean this is recorded on sunday maybe there's a trade already by the time you're listening to us i guess that's wishful thinking but i think this is a position that joe douglas is not going to let uh fly by uh, heading into week one um uh, from hard knock underscore jets kind of another cornerback question are you more concerned about the wide receiver or cornerback depth it's just one game and yes i know it's preseason but aside from the starters the wide receivers didn't get separation and the cornerback and safeties were getting torched we talked about the cornerback depth but let's let's talk about the safety and wide receiver depth uh michael i started with the last one i, I guess i'll give this one to you yeah so for the wide receivers i think i'm okay with them for now because I, you look at the jets they have three solid starting receivers in Anunwa, Crowder, and Anderson. And you look down receiver depth charts across the league, and there there aren't really that many teams that have a three-deep group. As good as that, obviously there are plenty of teams that have a better top receiver or even a better top two receivers than the Jets do. But going three-deep, the Jets are pretty unique to have three guys who are as, as solid as they are. Not great players, but those are three solid starters you have right there. So I'm okay with that at the top and you know one of those guys could go down and you still have a good duo of starters between those three and then beyond those guys you have Josh Bellamy who is you know not a very good wide receiver but he does bring you the special teams depth and he did make some plays in that preseason game showed some good chemistry with Trevor Simeon so 
Uh, Bellamy is an okay fifth guy, but I think what you are hoping for is to see, uh, you know, maybe Greg Dorch, but Deontay Burnett take that number four spot because, you know, Bellamy is 30 years old. He hasn't produced a lot as a receiver. So I think you're hoping that Burnett becomes that top backup at the pure receiving position. And he didn't show a lot in that Giants game, but uh, I also don't think that, you know, there was much more he could have done. He he didn't really play that well. He didn't create a lot of separation. The, the passes he did get were all, I think, two or three yard passes. But so I'm hoping to see more from Burnett. But overall, just the fact that the Jets have those three guys at the top, I'm OK with that. And I still like Burnett uh, long term, even though he had the one bad game. I'm definitely hoping to see and expecting to see more from him uh, over the next few games. So I'm OK with wide receiver. Cornerback is definitely a bigger problem and safety as well. And getting Marcus May back. Uh, was really huge. I think May played really well last year in a few games that he played. In the six games that Marcus May played for the Jets last year, they gave up. The Jets gave up about 1.7 deep completions for 20 plus yards per game in those games that May played. That would put them on pace to give up the seventh fewest per game over the course of a whole season. And in the games he didn't play, the Jets were on pace to rank 19th and fewest deep completions allowed. So I think he had a good impact last year in the games he played. So having May back is huge. The safety depth there is, is a little questionable. You have guys who have good skill sets like Doug Middleton. Uh, Doug Middleton, a guy who can lay some hits. He can make some tackles underneath. Rontez Miles, a guy who can move around with a lot of speed, isn't great in coverage. But uh, you have those two guys, Miles and Middleton, who I think are really good tacklers, hitters underneath, but are questionable in coverage. And you saw that last season uh, when they both got in there. So I think with safety, the depth isn't, it isn't terrible, but it, it, I think it's definitely bottom half depth in the league. But it's not as bad as corner, I don't think. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, yeah, both May and Adams are healthy. That's uh, significant for the Jets. I mean, uh, no matter how bad the cornerback situation is, having two safeties kind of over the top will help, you know, will help things. Look, the Jets are still going to get burnt like a piece of toast if their corners are, are trash week one. But having May back there, if he can stay healthy, is huge because, look, he's just significantly better, um, you know, in coverage and tackling and whatnot than Rontez Miles is. Rontez Miles is, is good depth and a great special teamer, but he's not Marcus May at free safety. You have to hope that May is the same player that he's been, you know, his rookie year and, and last year. Um, but, you know, even if, look, if Daryl Roberts gives up, um, you know, a post route that's 15 yards, the difference between Marcus May uh, and Rontez Miles is is May making that, ta- you know, that tackle and and Miles taking a bad angle and that receiver going for, yeah, you know, a 50-yard touchdown. And also last year, when, when Doug Middleton went down and, and then May got hurt, you went to, they went to Daryl Roberts at safety. So that just shows you how questionable Miles can be. And, and Miles brings stuff to the table. I just think the thing with May and those backup safeties is that they can't play the deep position like he can. They can't play cover three or take the top like Marcus May can. So I think that, you know, Doug Middleton, Miles, they bring stuff to the table. But in terms of what you want for Marcus May, and that's to play that deep safety role, those other guys aren't good at that. The Jets don't have a backup who can do what May can do. Yeah, and, and kind of the other side of that question, talking about the receiver depth. I mean, obviously you have Anunua, Anderson, and Crowder who all looked fairly. I mean, I guess Anunua and, and Anderson didn't do much, but Crowder looked very good. Um, after that, yeah, I'm I'm getting more comfortable with the depth. I wasn't. I'm not that concerned about it. I could see them adding somebody on the waiver wire if if somebody shakes free, you know, at, you know, out of Green Bay, if a guy like Geronimo, Geronimo Allison is cut or whatnot. Um, but look, Josh Bellamy adds a lot of value on special teams, and he looked pretty good in that preseason game. Obviously, Greg Dortch looks like he's going to prime to be the returner for the Jets. We're going to see if he can do kick returns this, you know, these next few weeks um, because I think the Jets are going to try to throw him back out there. But he looked good returning punts, and he had a touchdown as well. I like Deontay Burnett. He's been making a lot of plays. He had a good practice today. 
Uh, and then after that, I think you could they could I could see them keeping peak for special teams. Maybe a guy like Tim White if he flashes, or again if a, if they pick a guy on the waiver wire. So I'm not that worried about wide receiver depth. And I also think a good quarterback can make bad wide receivers look good. So I think that's a position that's that's less worrisome. Whereas corners, if you have bad corners, there's not much you can do. As I mentioned, you know, good safeties can help, but not as much as a, as a quarterback can help receivers. Um, from at Gastoon, um, from all the rookies that played against the Giants, who do you think made a good case and who didn't? Hashtag ask CYJ. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a few. I mean, obviously, Black, Blake Cashman flashed. I mean, there was a time where he – there was a play where he could have had an interception or whatnot, but he had uh, him and Frankie Luvu combined to force a fumble. He made some plays. He was flying around the ball. I mean, look, it's exactly what you'd expect from a fifth-round rookie linebacker. I guess more so. I mean, I think he made some plays. But, look, the game is moving fast for him. He has to make – some adjustments, and and I think he's one of those players that throughout the season he's going to get better as, as it goes on. So I was, I guess I would say impressed with Cashman, even though it wasn't all positive. I was really impressed with Chuma Adoga specifically in pass protection, as we talked about. I thought he had some good, you know, counters to to, to some defensive moves and stuff. We had to see him against the starters, um, but as far as his him playing at left tackle, I thought he looked uh, fairly good. Um, as far as other rookies, I mean, Quinn Williams didn't do that much. He was pretty quiet, and then they took him out after the rain delay. Um, I, I guess I saw some good stuff from Quinn and uh, he drew the hold on that one play. And I think he didn't he didn't get involved in many tackles, but he was he was making some penetration. He took on a couple blockers on a few plays. So, yeah, uh, I expect got, more. It was one it was one drive, though. But uh, you saw a little bit from him. Yeah. Yeah. And he got double teamed at one point. Like, yeah, I, I there was some I'm not saying I'm not trying to take anything away from Quinn Williams. I think it was there was some positives. It was just a fairly quiet night. Um, but that doesn't mean it was a bad night for him. I think it was fairly productive. I think when you see him more, you know, against the starters in the regular season where he's playing a whole game, that's when you'll see Quinn and make, you know, a, a crazy player or whatnot uh, every once in a while. I guess the one guy who didn't separate himself, I guess, would be Ja'Kai Polite. Didn't do that much. Um, but again, it's still early. It was the first preseason game. He didn't really get to go until the end. Um, but he still has to work on some stuff. Uh, he also, didn't really get- I, I was kind of disappointed in my guy, Trevon Wesco. He was a little disappointing last night, or not last night, on Thursday night, but he had the hold, and I, I don't think his blocking was too good in the few snaps he played either, and it kind of, kind of explains why he didn't come in until the end of the game, why he's a third, fourth stringer right now, but uh, not not a great debut for him, I don't think. It was a small sample size. He's got yeah. plenty of time to improve, but uh, he didn't do too much. Yeah, again, it just looked like the game was moving a little too fast for him, um, but Look, it's preseason. It's early. Even if a rookie has a good, you know, game in preseason, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good player, and vice versa. So, yeah, I guess I would say as far as those who impressed would be, you know, Idoga would probably be the most, you know, the most. Uh, I guess Idoga and Cashman and the, those who didn't do that much were fairly quiet. Were were, were Jakai and Wesco, and then Quinn was was fairly good, but didn't do that much outside of that. Um, from at G Tucker, one, 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 five. Do you see the offense running no huddle in this up tempo system? Yeah, this was something that I thought was was fairly interesting that the Jets and their with their first team offense ran no huddle just I mean, to start the game, they had the ball first and they ran down the field and, and had a the opening touchdown drive as, as they haven't had. I believe you said since since 2017, was it? Yeah, it was uh, week the Falcons game 2017 week eight. It's the last time they did it. Jeez. And before that, yeah, Tom scored that touchdown. <laughs> Yeah, before that, I remember that was like they broke the the drought. So it was, I mean, even if it's preseason, as you said, uh, Michael, it, it just reminded us what what it looks like. But yeah, I like that they ran up tempo. It clearly worked for them. 
Um, I think that's something you'll see mixed in. I don't think it's going to be what they're going to run all the time because that's just a great way to tire your guys out and get your defense back on the field, especially if you don't get a first. But I like that they tried it out at the beginning of the game. I think you're going to see it you know, moved in more than you saw with a guy like Jeremy Bates. The one thing that stood out to me, or I guess I should say one of the things that stood out to me from Sam Darnold's rookie year was that I, I felt like he did do better um, in those up-tempo uh, systems. It went, you know, at the end of the half or whatnot when they ran him, I thought he... I mean, I guess this is probably just attributed to the they let him air it out more. And I think when you saw that last year, you saw him start to make some special plays, specifically towards the end of the season. But I always was like, you know, why don't they run more no huddle with him? Let's just get him in a groove here. I like that we saw it. It clearly worked for Sam. Um, but, you know, Michael, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I actually got a few numbers on this. So what Gase did last year with the Dolphins was it was actually really interesting. So according to uh, – NFLsavant.com, the Dolphins ran no huddle last season on 11.3% of their plays, which was the third highest rate in the league. But in time per play, the Dolphins were 31st in the league and how quick they ran their plays from snap to snap. So even though they ran a lot of no huddle, they were actually a really slow-paced off, uh, slow paced offense in terms of how fast they ran their plays. So I think that means what that tells you is that you could see a lot of no huddle, but not necessarily running quickly, but just getting up to the line and just letting Sam Darnold kind of survey the defense and make his decisions from there. So I think you could see a lot of that. But just judging off of these numbers and seeing some of what the Dolphins did last year, I think you could see a lot of no huddle, but at the same time, not necessarily going at too quick of a pace because the Dolphins last season actually went at a really slow pace. They took an average of 30 seconds in between each of their plays last season, which was 31st in the league in terms of total amount of time taken between plays. So I think you could see a lot of no huddle, but at the same time, still letting Darnold get the time to survey the defense at the line. Yeah, I mean, you talk about what, what Gase did in Miami, and I think it's just one of those things where obviously Gase is a creature of habit and he's going to have some stuff that he sticks with, but I'm interested to see what he changes, what he changes, you know, what, what he learned from his first head coaching job and his first time. Um, you know, running a whole team to now what the difference is with an offense that he runs with Ryan Tannehill to Sam Darnold. I do think you're going to see some changes and maybe, you know, more hurry up, more up tempo, you know, situationally uh, is one of those things. I think you just saw him air it out a lot more. I think, I mean, obviously it's preseason, obviously it's vanilla offense, but I think you just saw, you know, from, from Adam Gase's offense last year to Adam Gase this year, and even from Sam Darnold last year to this year, I think you just saw them that they're clicking, that they're going to move the ball downfield, that they're going to be aggressive, you know, uh, it's it's exciting because it's one of those things that you haven't seen from a Jets offense uh, in a long, long time. Um, from at Wadingo, uh, who oh, currently— Before we get to this one, can I throw in a stat just based sure. on the point you just made? So Darnold had those back-to-back plays where he hit uh, Herndon for 32 yards and got Crowder for 28 on the next play. So last season, he only did that one time all season, 25-plus yard passes on back-to-back plays, and that was in the, the Vikings game. He hit uh, Trenton Cannon on that wheel route and then hit Robbie Anderson— on the next play. So he only did that one time all of last season and comes out on the first drive and gets back to back 25 yarders. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a one drive in the preseason, but to see that is, it's promising. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it's just one of those things where, uh, as I mentioned, as a Jets fan, it's, it's, it's a rare sight to see an offense working that well, even if it's preseason, it's hard not to get excited to, to imagine what they're going to do, uh, during the regular season. And with the situation that they have at cornerback, they, they might need to, to, you know, win some shootouts. So it's it's good to see that the offense was uh, was working well in Gase's first go at it. Um, from Atwood Dingo, who currently on the roster is most likely to block a field goal and or punt this year. Michael, I guess I'll let you start with this one. 
This one is interesting. So last year, the Jets actually, they bought two kicks last year, I think. I think you had Kevin Pierre-Lewis had one and Henry Anderson had one. Uh, did, did they have two last year or three? I think they might have had three. Two, I, I think, right? I feel like, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know better. You're, you're the analytic nerd. Um, part of me feels like they might have had a third one. I kind of thought that Rontez yeah, Miles might have blocked one or I, something. I think, but... think Pierre-Lewis had two last year, didn't he? Maybe, yeah, maybe KPL had two. But Anyways, either way, the Jets did block a couple last season, which I don't even remember the last time they did. It might have been that Cowboy or the, yeah, it might have been the Cowboys game in 2011 when they blocked that punt. But either way, they did No, no, they, they definitely had one in between there. For they sure. did? Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure Mo Wilkerson blocked one in 2012 against the Titans, and then, um, yeah, I, there's definitely just been blocks in, in between there. Well, either sure. way, to to have multiple in one season is definitely extremely rare. So uh, the odds are they don't block a single one, but most likely, I think if Cannon makes a team, I guess he's I, he seems like the kind of guy who would maybe on a punt block come off the edge and have the speed to make one. Uh, who I, maybe Cashman? I think he could be a kind of guy who could do that. You saw Pierre Lewis as an inside linebacker do it last year. So maybe uh, you can see Cashman do it. Henry Anderson should be a candidate since he did it last year anyway. Uh, those three guys come to mind first. I'll go with Cashman, Cannon, and Henry Anderson. Yeah, Cannon's a sneaky good pick. I guess I'll say Rontez Miles. I, mean, I guess one. I don't know if he's done it yet, but he is a just the special teamer uh, for this team. He's the special team's captain. I could totally see him. You know, the punt or whatnot. It's got to be like a fast deep. I think there's three. You either got like a linebacker who comes up the middle, a fast defensive back, or a defense, a long defensive lineman who can. Tip yeah, who, yeah, on long field game. goals and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. long field goals and whatnot. So yeah, I guess I'll go Rontez Miles. Yeah, maybe a guy like I could see a guy like Neville Hewitt who plays a lot of special teams getting a block in there. I think Cashman is, is actually probably the, the best pick as far as linebackers go. If I had to pick a defensive lineman, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll stick with Henry Anderson just because, as you said, he did it last year, and he has that length, that necessary length to block kicks. Um, from de- I think from he at- had one with the Colts, too. He did have one with the Colts before he came to the Jets, so he's a, a really good candidate, I guess. Yeah, okay, well, there we go. Uh, so maybe it's not as unlikely that they'll uh, get a block. From at DKN71500, everyone seems to be giving Sam Darnold a pass on his almost pick six. Are we making too little of, of a play that could have been a disaster at the start of the game, or is that appropriate level of scrutiny for the first preseason game? Look, I mean, Michael, I know you have some stuff you want to say on this, just but really quickly, it's just, you know, for me, I'm not that worried about it, and I don't think people are making too little of it. I think there is, you know, something where Jets fans do minimize a lot of Sam Darnold's flaws and, and his mistakes. But this isn't one of those. This is just uh, you know a situation where Sam Darnold looked at the line of scrimmage and he and he thought he saw cover one. He thought he saw man-to-man coverage as Jabril Peppers was kind of lined up over Chris Herndon. In fact, it was cover three, so Peppers went to go play the flat. You know, if it was man coverage, he knew he had the noon one that outright, so he just kind of took the snap, turned and threw it. But it was cover three. Peppers moved over and could have had a pick, potentially a pick six. You know, it's one of those mistakes that's going to happen. Sam Darnold isn't going to be immune to them. You have to remember he's still only 22 years old. He's a rookie. You know, he's not a rookie anymore. He's going into his second year. He's going to make some mistakes. I'd rather have him making some very, you know, I guess, I don't want to say simple because it's it's kind of a hard concept, but simple mistakes as far as they're not the type of interceptions you don't want to see where a guy's just floating, you know, over the middle 30 yards, you know, into triple coverage or whatnot. This is one of those times where, you know, I think he he thought he saw something. He was, you know, slightly wrong. But that's what comes with Sam Darnold. He's a bit of a gunslinger. He's going to take chances. I'd rather have a guy that's going to try to push the ball downfield uh, and fail sometimes than guys who are, you know, way too safe with the ball and aren't going to, you know, push the ball downfield. I think Sam Darnold is going to throw interceptions this year. Obviously, that's not a hot take at all. Um, so I don't think we're minimizing it. I do think Jets fans do sometimes minimize some 
flaws that Sam Darnold has, some things that he has to work, you know, with uh, work at, you know, from throwing in the pocket and, and whatnot. But look, uh, I think that that's one of those things. First play of the preseason, I'm not that worried about it. And he and he rebounded quite well, Michael. Yeah, and I, this is a really good question, and it kind of just brought to mind for me just the way that 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 we let results kind of change our perception of things because. You know, whether or not Jabril Peppers catches that interception doesn't change how Darnold performed on that play. You know, he made that decision. Uh, the throw wasn't great, and he should have been intercepted through a pass that had a high chance of being picked off. So whether or not that pass gets caught doesn't change what Darnold did on that play. And I'm sure he went back and looked at it after the game and got on himself for making that decision. But, you know, whether or not he catches it changes the way we look back on it. If Peppers catches that pass, the Jets don't have that opening drive. We don't get to see the Crowder and Darnold connection. We don't get to see Chris Herndon make that catch. We don't get to see Clutchio Semley play as well as he did to start the game. So it changes everything just based on the way that happens. But it doesn't change the the fact that Darnold didn't perform well on that play. So I think it's just really interesting when, and especially in football, in a game that is very much predicated on that concept, the way that simple things happening, you know, one inch short of a first down or a guy catching an interception or not can really change the entire course of the game. So it really, that just brought that to mind for me, uh, just the way that we can let that kind of change the perception because even if the pass is caught by Peppers and intercepted, it doesn't change the fact that it was a bad play from Darnold. But it also kind of showed, you know, what has become a theme for Darnold. And we saw it on the first play of the regular season last year. Uh, He threw that pick six and bounced back. And that's really become, and, you know, that's the kind of thing Resilience can be kind of just, uh, you know, a buzzword that people throw around about players. But with Darnold, we're starting to legitimately see this a lot now where he makes mistakes early on or even if it's not early on, he'll make a mistake and just come right back and, you know, rebound from it and continue to play well. So it's really good to see him do that again. We've seen it a ton of times this season. I mentioned the Detroit game. He got hurt against Buffalo, came back and led the comeback. Uh, he's been down in a bunch of games against Miami in the second game of the year. The Jets were down 20 nothing, and they should have won that game if the receivers played decently. But we've seen it time and time again, Darnold being resilient, coming back from struggles and continuing to play well. And this was just another example. But at the same time, this was the very first pass he threw in a real game all season. So I don't think it's too much to look into. And at the same time, the interception isn't too much to look into. The successful plays aren't too much to look into either because it's the first try of the season for the Giants defense as well. So uh, it's preseason and especially the first drive the entire preseason. Uh, I don't think anything's worth looking into too much. But at the same time, it's nice to see Darnold continue to build this reputation to where he's a guy who can go out there and bounce back from mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about resiliency being used as kind of a buzzword, but it is a valuable trait in quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. I just think that sometimes like, You'll hear it said, but there isn't much evidence to it. But with Darnold, like it's really starting to build up now. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you hope that it's it's tested uh, less frequently, but it, it's one of those things where uh, it kind of also factors into that clutch gene. You know, it gives me more confidence in Sam that if we're you know the last two minutes of a playoff game, that that he has that ability to center himself after you know almost throwing a pick on his first pass and and throwing a pick six on his first pass in the NFL. That gives me confidence in Sam that he that he can ground himself and that he can focus himself, you know, that the moment won't get too big for him, which is what people talked about and why he was one of the reasons why he was, you know, touted as as arguably the best quarterback in that 2018 draft class. So, yeah, I'm excited from it. You know, obviously, as I said, it's it's a skill that I don't want tested that much, but interceptions are going to happen. And as a quarterback, people say it all the time. You have to have a short memory. You have to be able to bounce back. You can't dwell on it. And that was one of the things that you saw a lot, that you've seen a lot of Jets quarterbacks have happened to them. I mean, 
you know, Mark Sanchez would throw a pick and it, he'd turn into four. You know, it would happen with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's probably the streakiest quarterback I've ever seen in the league. You know, it's happened to Geno Smith. It happens to a lot of young quarterbacks. But the fact that Sam Darnold is 22 can make a mistake, but can just kind of forget about it, move on. You know, he can get mad at himself, but he's not going to get so mad at himself that he, you know, plays too safe or forces the ball way downfield and throws another pick or whatnot. He's kind of the perfect blend of, of being able to bounce back, center himself, start over, and it's, you know, had some good results for him. Yeah, and it's important for a guy who has a skill set like he does, because like you mentioned, he's going to throw some, some interceptions this season. You know, he could be at the top of the interception leaderboard again in terms of total picks because he's going to play, you know, hopefully he stays healthy longer, throws more passes, but he's going to throw some picks, and he's always going to be a guy who I think is going to at least throw 10 interceptions every year. You know, hopefully he gets those down, but you know, it's just a consequence of his game, but it's also, I think, that, you know, that comes with just how aggressive he is. And you see guys like Tyrod Taylor and, you know, other quarterbacks like him, Marcus Mariota, uh, Dak Prescott, guys who don't throw a lot of interceptions, but that, but that's because they take a lot of sacks or they'll run for and pick up five yards when there's a 20-yard pass available. Uh, but with Darnold, what you saw a lot last year is him doing the opposite of that, you know, uh, taking a 20-yard pass instead of a five-yard pass or, Instead of running or taking a sack, getting the ball out, just doing making plus decisions with the ball, even if something might appear more risky, uh, passing off what might be more easy to convert, like, you know, taking an easy five yard run or checking the ball down instead of doing what's easiest, doing what has the most upside. And you saw him do that a lot last season and throwing five more interceptions a year is going to be a consequence of that. And interceptions are bad, but if a few more interceptions a year come with him playing his game the way he wants to play it and, you know, having this resilience to be able to keep throwing, you know, well, not keep throwing picks, hopefully, but uh, to be able to make mistakes occasionally, but still come back and play the same exact way and not adjust because of them. Because it just is a consequence of when you play that gunslinging mentality. And it's also not a gunslinging mentality that he plays with. I think that uh, there is such a thing as being too aggressive and it's called Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Darnold isn't that. Like I mentioned, I think he's just a guy who understands what the highest upside play is on a given snap and makes that decision. And we saw it a lot last season, especially in the Packers game. There's one play. Yeah, exactly. That kind of, uh, yeah, there's one play that really kind of embodied this. And it was like there were uh, a few guys running crossing routes across the field. There were two guys underneath who were wide open for uh, probably five, eight yards. Would have been a first down. But then you had Robbie Anderson down the field who was – it was a much more difficult throw, but he was open, and it was like a 25-yard pass, and that's the, the throw that Darnold chose instead of the easy ones right in front of him. So uh, he's going to throw a few more interceptions because he plays this way, because he's not going to take sacks. He's not going to you know, run for a few yards when there's a pass available. But uh, those a few inter more interceptions a year is going to be worth it if he's playing his game and being just productive overall. Yeah, and this is a trait that a lot of top quarterbacks have. You know, I'll never forget that that Scott Mason from the Play Like a Jet podcast said to me uh, when Darnold was coming out, this was before he was a Jet, so this was just kind of our analysis on him. We thought he was going to be the Browns quarterback. He said that Darnold was his top quarterback. He gave a lot of, you know, you know reasons for it. But then he said um, Darnold is a guy that in his first year could lead the NFL in interceptions and then his next year lead in touchdowns. And I think that's what you're going to say. I don't know if he's going to lead in touchdowns this year. Maybe that's next season, but maybe, maybe not at all. But I think it's one of those things where you're going to see him – 
from a rookie, turn a lot of those interceptions into chunk plays, into big plays. And as he gets older through this season, through the next season, I think you're going to see a lot of them turn into touchdowns. And that's what's going to you know solidify him, hopefully, as a top 10 quarterback. It's just it kind of goes with him that he's going to take these chances. Um, so it's not a thing that I'm that concerned about for him. I know he's going to throw, as you said, like I, I know he's going to throw probably around 10 interceptions this year. He'll throw some bad ones and whatnot. But if that means he's throwing 35 touchdowns, I'm not complaining about it. I'd rather have a guy go, you know, throw 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions than a guy who's throwing like Marcus Mariota, as you mentioned, you know, 24 touchdowns and, and four interceptions yeah. or whatnot. And I think the thing with interceptions is that interceptions are not good. They're generally bad, but they're they're really variable. Not all interceptions are the same. If you're throwing uh, on fourth and 10, a 50-yard bomb that gets picked off in the end zone, that's not as bad as, you know, the one Darnold threw against Detroit in the first play last season. So, uh, I think that you really have to, and it's hard to, you can't just look at every single quarterback's interceptions, looking at the totals is the easiest, but you know, in the NFL, especially now, interceptions continue to go down every single year, so being the worst at throwing interceptions isn't as bad as it used to be. Ben Roethlisberger led the league in picks last year with 16, so that's one a game, so it's really not, quarterbacks don't throw them as often as they used to, so even even if you're bad at it, you're not quite as bad as it, it isn't as negatively impactful as it used to be just because the way that teams run their offenses now with a lot more design stuff that isn't as risky the interceptions don't get thrown as often but really overall I think it's just about not throwing bad interceptions and I don't think Darnold had he had some bad ones last year he definitely did but a lot of them were in the fourth quarter I think I think seven of his picks last year were in the fourth quarter against Cleveland Minnesota and the Miami game and those three games and the Jets are obviously trailing in most of those. Uh, and, you know, part of that is Darnold's fault. But uh, I think it's just you have to, you know, the inter- a few more interceptions this season if he's playing his game is okay. And I think that uh, even last season he wasn't, you know, terrible at the interceptions. And the fact that he was good with uh, preventing fumbles too uh, was really good. So uh, I think the interceptions, he's going to be a double-digit guy, but you shouldn't really look at that as too much of a bad thing. Not everyone can be Aaron Rodgers throwing two picks a year. Yeah, exactly. And people get on Aaron Rodgers for not necessarily, you know, last year, last year was legit for Rodgers. He threw the ball away a lot last year. I think he had almost I think he had almost twice as many throwaways as any other quarterback in the league last year. Usually it's legit. his not throwing interceptions. It's just him being a god. But last year it was he, he was really conservative last year. But yeah, not everyone can do what he does. Yeah. Uh, last question from at Greg Armstrong underscore good friend of the podcast. Who would be the better field goal kicker, Ben or Nania? Look, the Jets have an issue uh, at their kicker position. Obviously, Taylor Bertolet has been brought in, but even he, I mean, he missed two kicks in practice today. So, look, I mean, maybe the Jets are going to look to the streets to sign somebody. Michael, I don't know about you, but I think I might be the right guy for the job. As I mentioned on Twitter, I was a beast at kindergarten soccer. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's that much of a difference between a soccer ball and a football. I think I could kick it. Uh, but, Nania, you said you could win. We actually did a poll on Twitter, and 77% of people said you, and 23 for me. So I'm kind of offended by our followers. I think you just I was going to a- say, I think that would be, offend you quite a bit, especially because your soccer background in kindergarten. Yeah, in kindergarten. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, but honestly, what's, honestly, what's your reasoning? Think, what's your pitch right, so to Jets fans? My pitch would be that we have, at my house, we have an eight-foot-tall plastic field goal post and it comes with this little tiny ball. It's probably like eight inches long. And I'm pretty good at not field goal, not place kicking it through. I can't do that. But, you know, I think I could drop kick it through that uh, short little thing. So I think if you need an 
uh, like a 20-yard kick, then maybe I think I can make a 20-yard kick. I think I can do that. Well, so twenty-yard kick is—I'm—I'm um, I'm normally good at this. The but shortest I'm, kick, I'm whatever. The yeah, so that's so is that from the two-yard line then, a one-yard yeah, line. Yeah, I think it's about twenty yards then. Well, because it's—it's—it's it's, it's ten yards, and then I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to look like an idiot. I but, think it's like seventeen yards more than. The, yeah, 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 the, yeah. That it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Because it's. I, I think I can make that because of my. It's ten, and then they're back seven. So yeah. In right, my backyard, too. soccer is not like football. I think that you are. Uh, Kind of overselling yourself a little bit here. Well, how about the, this? How I about got this? The idol. I'll challenge you. We can both take a video of us going to like you know some sort of local football field or something and kicking a ball, and we just see who who can hit it the farthest. Would you do uh, that? Honestly, all right. Look, I I said you're overselling <laughs> oh, yourself. Oh, all bark, no bite, Michael. Are you? I'm barking for the podcast here. I can't make a field goal. I can't. Really. Can't even kick what like you, you can't kick the twenty yarder that thirty seconds ago you said you could. I'm pretty good punt. I can I can punt it pretty good, but okay, like, I tried like place kicking. I'm not good punt, at it. It's, okay, it's punting's hard. a little bit more. Yeah, okay. Here's here's okay. New new topic. Black Edwards obviously the god at punting, but the Jets need some help at kicker, so he switches to kicker because he's a beast. So now the Jets need a punter. I'll take a video of me punting across the park. I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm probably around you know. Uh, I don't know. I guess Steve Weatherford, when he came back, when he came back to us for that one game, was pretty bad. That's comp. I like that knowledge. The 2015 punting controversy. I was trying to think. I was trying to think who was the other punt. That who do we have that year? Quigley. Okay, yeah. I I would probably say I'm about as good as Ryan Quigley at punting. I think I I think I could get 30 yards through the air. It might be a line drive, but uh, I think I could (laughs) do that. Half a second. Hang time of two seconds. Uh, maybe not even that one a second and a half all right that's fair all right well we might have to test it this week all right um that'll do it for the mailbag this week let's hop into uh previewing atlanta obviously it's a preseason game so it's a little different to preview but you know the starters this past week played um you know one series they might have played two if they didn't get that touchdown especially if they threw that pick six or whatnot but you know I, i'm glad that that they just had the one series they scored the touchdown gase pulled them but now i think you're gonna see him play a few more series i could see him playing the first quarter um, kind of, I guess I'll start with this, Michael, what are your expectations this week for, for Sam Darnold going down to Atlanta for this first quarter? We saw him in that Adam Gase offense for a series, but now I think he's going to play significantly longer. I still don't think bell plays. I think bell might play a series, maybe two against the, uh, against the saints. And, and look at that. I thought it was the giants, uh, in the third game of the preseason, but I think we're in this game, we're used to that. <laughs> we are. Um, but in this game, they're playing the Falcons week two. I don't think Bell plays. So what are kind of your expectations for the offense in that first quarter? Maybe they don't play the whole quarter, but they're going to play more snaps than just that first series. Kind of what are your expectations for Darnold and, and company? Yeah, well, I, I think you just hope to see more of the same. And, and you know, like we said, ultimately, no matter what happens, it's not uh, it's not too predictive. You can't go off of it and say that it's a sign of things to come. But, you know, you just like to see that sync. I think, I think that word right there is really important. You saw a lot of uh, the team was just really connected. You saw really good sync between Darnold and Crowder. You know, uh, the reporters have talked about that a lot. We've heard a lot about how good the connection between those two guys has been. And we saw it co- uh, come out right away uh, with the, the big pickup and then the touchdown on the first drive. So uh, I think just to see that connection, see guys on the same page. And that's what you saw in that first game. I think play after play, you saw a lot of uh, a whole team, an offense that really was on the same page with one another. So I think. You know, sometimes the results will be there. Sometimes they won't be. If Darnold's 
pass that was almost intercepted by Peppers gets caught, then none of that even happens. And we're probably sitting here thinking about uh, which quarterback we're going to take number one next year. So uh, I think that uh, results are kind of hard to look at in the preseason. But, you know, what we saw uh, from them in that first drive last season, they were in sync. They were on the same page, just really moving with ease. So maybe the results are there. Maybe they're not. But uh, just to continue seeing that, I think, is definitely what I would like to see. And, and also, I think Coleccio Semley, he looked really good in that game against the Giants. And like I said, one drive. And we have to say this disclaimer with everything we say about the preseason. It should always apply. Just from now on, it's only preseason always applies. But with O'Semley, he looked really good in that Giants game. Uh, I hope to see more of that from him against the Falcons because, you know, what he was doing on that one drive was he looked like his peak self. He looked really good. His awareness, his IQ, and just his overall physicality with the way he was dominating the guys he came in contact with was really impressive. So he looked uh, in peak form in all phases. So hopefully I would like to see more of that from O'Semley because if he can do that, if he can be his peak self, which is not something we're expecting, you know, I think realistic expectations are just for him to be solid, but if he can be his peak self, that is going to make a huge difference for this offense. Yeah. I mean, I think, as you said, offensive line is one of the things I'm going to look at. I mean, I'm a big fan of assembly, but I wonder if Khalil is going to get some snaps in this game. So I I want to see his too, if he plays. Yeah, I want to see kind of his chemistry and how he looks in run blocking and pass blocking or whatnot. Uh, obviously, Brian Winters is is injured, so you know maybe you see. I'm kind of interested to see who plays there. I mean, I think he was replaced by Tom Compton in practice, but maybe they'll put Harris in there. Or maybe the, the the guy they traded for, uh, Lewis from Baltimore. Uh, so offensive line is one of those things. Just seeing how do they keep the pocket clean for Sam and how do they look in run game. You know, we only saw I think. Uh, two running snaps, maybe three, uh, that whole drive. So I kind of see, I want to see a longer, you know, extended period of how they block, uh, in the running game, because it's one of those, it's one of my biggest question marks of the season is how, what is the difference in Le'Veon Bell's performance going to be switching from Pittsburgh, uh, to, to New York's offensive line. Um, I don't think Bell will be back there, but I think we can get a better sense of, you know, the lanes that are opening up in the running game. Yeah, as you said, just chemistry, Sam Darnold's chemistry with the new one, Anderson and Herndon continuing, um, and his, obviously his, his apparent chemistry with Crowder. So the offense, just that, and the play calling and whatnot. I, I was obviously very impressed with them in that first game against the Giants, but I want to see it done for maybe a few more drives. You know, seeing can they repeat getting a touchdown on that first drive and then following it up with another touchdown? Can they, can they you know, build some of that consistency? Because we've talked about a lot of things that as Jets fans we haven't seen. But another one of them is is an offense that is consistently putting up points. That is consistently not just you know scoring a touch, you know punting, punting, punting. Yeah, I like and a touchdown and more punting. I, I don't like to see him on the field unless it's an extra point. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we want to see Lachlan Edwards holding, but not necessarily punting. Uh, it's one of those things where, as I said, it means last year they would punt, they would punt, maybe they throw an interception, then they'd score a touchdown, then they'd punt, field goal, punt, 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 whatever. It's preseason. I know we've we've made that disclaimer a thousand times but i'd like to see touchdown and then followed by another touchdown or one i want to see just backup points uh you know drives ending in points put together long drives don't want to see that many three and outs from the defense it it's really just secondary depth i mean obviously i want to see the starters i want to see quinn and williams i want to see jakai polite and blake cashman again like I, i'm interested in the front seven yeah i don't think marcus may will play you know obviously there's there's stuff i'm watching greg D, greg williams defensive alignment but the obvious one is after that first quarter whenever the starters leave who the hell is going to step up in that cornerback room? Is it going to be Meander? Is it going to be Brown? Who is it? Because right now the Jets have, you know, have obviously we've talked about a bare cupboard at that position, and it's one that I'm very nervous about and one that I think you're going to see a lot of over uh, overturn over the next few weeks. 
Um, they're going to have to cut the roster down to 75, I believe, after week two. So somebody's going to have to step up because otherwise they're going to be on the chopping block um, in favor of, of, of their corners. Um, but, Michael, what are you looking out for on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, and they need anything they can get from those guys. And the Falcons do have a pretty deep receiving group over there, so they should get a pretty good challenge from them. But, yeah, the Jets could use anything they can get from any, like any of those guys you mentioned, whether it's Brown, Meander, Campbell, anybody Anything they can get from any of those guys would be much appreciated because obviously the Jets are in a position now where they're going to have to give up something if they're going to upgrade this unit, whether it be uh, most likely through trade. But even if someone comes available through, you know, post, uh, you know, cuts after uh, the next few preseason games, uh, if you're looking at those guys and those guys probably aren't as high of a talent level as what you might get through trade. So either way, the Jets can use uh, anybody stepping up over these next few games because you look at it right now after this Giants game and what we've seen in practice throughout all summer, the offense dominating pretty much every single practice, which is completely foreign to Jets fans. We have no idea what that's like, but that's been the case. The offense has been dominating consistently. All these guys, uh, you've just seen report after report, tweet after tweet of Brown gets beat or whoever it is, continuously getting beat. So anything, any sort of confidence that these guys can give you uh, would be a huge help you know, for us as fans, but also for the coaching staff to just have confidence that they can put these guys out there and actually have a chance to win games. So anything you can get from these DBs would be huge. But I'll also be looking at, you know, the draft picks as well. Hopefully Cashman can improve a little bit because he had his moments last game, but he also was really shaky, had a few shaky moments and overall was just, you know, decent, even though he had his flashes. So hopefully some more from him. Quinn Williams, I'd like to see. I think he played well in the first game. He played solid football and there are going to be games like, you know, the first, it was only a couple of drives, but games like that where he makes a huge impact, but it isn't backed up by a sack or a forced fumble or big numbers, but he's going to have games like that, just like Leonard Williams does. And, you know, people are going to get on him for it, but uh, that's, that's football. And that's that position. He's going to have impact like that sometimes where it doesn't show out as much, but uh, I would like to see him make some splash plays. Cause I think he has that upside to be a guy who can get double digit sacks, maybe not this year, but he has the potential to be a huge playmaking guy. So just to see a little bit of flash of that would be good. It's not the end of the world if he doesn't. He's a 21-year-old guy playing in his first couple NFL games. So he doesn't have to, but it would be nice to see those flashes. And Ja'Kai played well. I think he had he had some good moments in that game. But uh, at pass rushing, he didn't. He had some good run, uh, run defense moments, but uh, some good moments in run defense. But pass rushing, he didn't do all too much. And actually, speaking of pass rush, I, I don't think anybody really did anything in that Giants game. But you saw really good run defense from Fadakasi, from Luvu, uh, even Shepard had a few decent moments in run defense. But in, in the pass rush, you saw pretty much nobody stand out. So pass rushers see some, uh, you know, just some flashes in pass rush from anybody. Uh, and then the secondary, of course, to see just, just even a little bit of positivity from one of those corners. Yeah, even if it's just one guy. I mean, just knowing that we have somebody in that room outside of the top three that that can theoretically step up because I, I know they're going to change it up and I know they're going to add some more guys, but I'm hoping there's just one guy in this current room, you know, whether it's a fourth or a fifth round. I thought it was going to be Derek Jones, but then he got cut. So I don't really know who it is that's going to step up. I My my next uh, guess would probably be Meander. I know he's kind of a you know random pick, but I, I just I have a feeling it's going to be one of those Joe Douglas guys. Uh, and I believe PFF said he had one of the highest he had the highest grade for the team or at least on defense or whatnot. Um, so PFF's kind of touch and go there. But, you know, who knows? But uh, I, I, I just hope that one of those guys can step up. All right, Michael, before we get to our last kind of fun question to close it out, I want one bold prediction from the offense, 
one bold prediction for the defense, and then a score prediction. All right, bold prediction from the offense. I think uh, I think Trevor Simeon's going to fumble. Jonathan Harrison is going to pick it up, and he's going to return it 21 yards to the two-yard line. He's going to get tackled by uh, – I don't know. He's going to get tackled, and he's going to fumble it. Simeon's going to pick it up. He's going to try dive over the goal line, but he's going to helicopter like Josh McCown, and then you're going to see Ty Montgomery pick it up in the end zone for a touchdown. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, I, I mean, I was going to go with something serious, but I, I mean, okay, fine. Uh, I guess I don't I'll think go. my one last week panned out. I think I said Katzar was going to throw a touchdown to Tim yeah. White. I don't think that happened. Yeah, might have. Well, I mean, I he might have. You might have tried with that one kick that that literally hit a fan in the face. I think he retired because he wanted to do that because he heard the podcast and then Adam Gase didn't let him. So I think that's what it was. <laughs> All right, I'll go with a bold prediction that's somewhat reasonable, I guess is how I should <laughs> preface this. Um, yeah, I'll say that Sam Darnold puts up two touchdowns. Uh, I think one passing and one rushing or something. Um, I just I have a good feeling about this offense this week. Uh, another good test. I'm excited to see them. But uh, as far as offense goes, I think that Sam in that first quarter is going to put up two touchdowns. And I'll, we'll give I'll Jets Twitter some more. i bold prediction. Okay. I, think, I think on the first drive, you'll see Montgomery play really well. I think he'll have... Uh, I'll go. I'll put some numbers on it. I'll think he'll have a first drive where he catches for 20 yards, rushes for 30 yards, and a touchdown. Okay. What about defense? Uh, on defense, uh, I'll, first I'll go with a realistic prediction. Uh, I think that Kyron Brown's going to have five interceptions, all of them off of Matt Ryan. Uh, three of those will go back for touchdowns. One of them he's going to fumble, and Perry Nickerson's going to pick it up. He's going to lateral it to Blake Cashman, and he's going to backflip over the goal line for the touchdown and throw the ball through the goal post, and it's going to hit one of the refs in the face. That's my realistic prediction, but my wild prediction, I'm going to go with one of the Jets' defensive backs actually plays well in this game and comes out. And you could say he's actually, you know, someone that we could rely upon. That would be my wild prediction, but uh, that, realistic that's even more. Yeah, that's even one. more wild than your first one, I guess. So that, that would be my de- those would be my defensive ones. um okay i guess i'll go with as far as bold prediction i'm gonna say um that blake cashman gets an interception um i think uh i think there was there was a time where he was pretty close last week i think you just see with that speed and whatnot i understand that the game is still moving pretty fast for him but i think with that speed alone that he'll get kind of lucky maybe off a deflection or maybe he'll just be in the right place right time um matt schaub tends to throw a lot of them so uh, I could see Blake Cashman uh, getting an interception against that backup Atlanta offense. As far as the score prediction, Michael, I guess I'll start again. You were you were pretty close. I mean, we were both wrong. We both had the Jets winning on the Giants one, but it was you were close in the fact that it was a weird score. I think what was it, twenty eight nineteen or something? Thirty one twenty two, I think. Close enough. Yeah, thirty one twenty two. So I'll go. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout because I think the Jets starting offense is going to do well. And then I think the Jets backup defense is going to get torched again. So I'll go uh, 31 Jets, 29 Falcons. I'll go with, I don't know. I I mean, the last game was high scoring, which is kind of unusual. But uh, I think it's going to, I think someone's going to blow this game out. I, I feel like the last few Jets-Falcons games have been like that in the preseason. Not that that actually matters in terms of predicting this, but that's kind of what I'm feeling. I think it's going to be Jets 17, Falcons 6. All right, I'll take it. That's pretty ugly. Pretty boring second half there, but all right. 
Um, I guess we'll close. This was a question that was floated a few weeks ago on Twitter by uh, at U Stadium. Um, just the letter U. Uh, they said uh, you have two options. You can either A, be guaranteed just one Super Bowl in your lifetime, but B, or B, just take your chances as you normally would with no guarantee, but you could win multiple. So I guess I the kick fo- off this one. I got, yeah, you I can. Got to start off All right. One. I got okay. thoughts on this one. Okay. All right. So my first inclination with this. So the choices are, you know, like you said, you could be guaranteed just one Super Bowl win. So just one, not zero, not two, one Super Bowl win guaranteed or just, you know, live as life normally is and just keep watching football. You know, maybe you win 20, maybe you win none. So those would be the two choices. And at first I thought that, you know, B is the obvious choice for me. I think that, you know, just you could win as many as you want. And, you know, hopefully that you're you're around long enough to uh, have the chances to win a lot. But that seemed like the obvious choice. Like, I don't want to win just one. And I think your age matters, too, because if you're yeah. older, I think you probably just want to take yeah, your one. If you're and like know. a 77-year-old Jets fan, I think you're yeah, probably just, just taking just, the guarantee. Just give me my ring and let me get out of here. But if you're younger like me, then I think that uh, taking your chances makes more sense. Because, like, what if you're a Patriots fan, like, t- uh, 15 years ago and you chose to just take one? Uh, that would kind of be – you'd be missing out a little bit. But – so I think that would be my first inclination to go with just taking your chances, uh, see how many you could get, maybe you win none, but you know, hopefully you win at least one, and then you have a chance to get more than that. But uh, just I think you have to have like some more details with that first choice because uh, there are like some factors uh, that are involved with this. Because if you know you're going to be winning that Super Bowl, then it takes away the fun of winning it. Like if it if it's going like like if I answer this right now and I knew the Jets were gonna win this year, then it's it's not fun to win if I know that they're gonna win this year because the the fun of winning is that you don't know what's gonna happen. So you have no idea what's gonna happen when you go to a game. You don't know what's gonna happen when your team makes the playoffs. Like uh, like back when the Jets made it in 20, 2009 2010, you didn't know they were gonna win those two games. So uh, I'm think it's not fun to win if you know it's gonna happen. So I think that choice is completely voided if you know they're gonna win. But if you don't know they're gonna win, I think that if you were like say you hypothetically chose that, and then after you made that decision, you lose memory that it happened. So you keep living like you do right now, but you already made that choice for yourself that you're just gonna get that one win. <laughs> then then I think it has some. Then I think it's a little bit legitimate because then, like, you decide for yourself. You're gonna get one win. That's what I want for myself. You thought way. You thought way too much about this question. Uh, listen, but look, you made that decision. I'm gonna get one Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not gonna have to worry about dying without seeing one. We're not gonna get six like the Patriots, but we're gonna see one. So if you can erase that memory, you could still have fun enjoying it because you don't know what's gonna happen. But you made the sound decision for yourself that you're gonna get one win. Then it makes sense. But. Even so, I still wouldn't pick that. I want to get as many as possible. I got two hands and ten fingers. I hopefully uh, I'd like to see a ring on each one of those. So and maybe get a couple of my feet as well. So I'm going with the second choice here. I'm gonna take my chances. Yeah, that was that was just such a, a Michael answer there. That was just <laughs> broken down to the point where it wasn't even fun. Um, I guess I'll say yeah. I mean, obviously, I would say just keep the normal chances. I mean, again, I think age matters. My dad is is you know. You know, getting—he's not that old, but you know, he, he wants to see a Jet Super Bowl in, in his lifetime that he can remember. So, you know, and, and I'm—you know—meanwhile in college, so I—you know—in my mind, there's a bunch of blank pages uh, in, in my life that there's time for the Jets to win a Super Bowl, maybe a few more, maybe Super Bowls with different quarterbacks and head coaches and whatnot. There's a few decades, hopefully, uh, to watch Jets football. So I would take be as you said, that's the fun. It is you don't know when it's going to happen. You're following your team. You follow your team through the—you know—the the lowest of lows, then the highest of highs. 
that's the fun part of it. If you're just guaranteed one and then when it happens, you're like, oh, there it is. And then, you know, the next season, what are you going to still watch knowing that no matter what, it's going to end in disappointment? But, but that's the catch right there. Then if your memory is erased after making the If your memory is erased, then it has some legitimacy to it. Because, like, you decide for yourself that you're not going to die without seeing one. But you're even though you're not going to get the multiple, if, if you forget about it, you keep the suspense part. So I guess... I still wouldn't uh, do it. I got a lot it, of Yeah, I think it it comes down to age. Right now, I would I take age, but if but if I'm in my 60s and I still haven't seen the Jets win, I would I would 100% just be like, yeah, just give me the one. Age um, is definitely the biggest factor here. Yes. All right. We'll wrap it up there on that that nice uh, that high note, I guess. Uh, the picture in the Jets winning a Super Bowl gives me chills uh, even right now. Um, but you can follow our podcast at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can follow me at Ben W. Blessington. You can find this show anywhere. Just search up Cool Your Jets. Uh, we're by Turn of the Jets Digital, uh, their, their whole network. So you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and Google right now. We're working on iHeart. We're working on Stitcher. We're working on uh, TuneIn. But you can also find us on some other uh, sites such as Podcoin or whatnot. Um, just search up uh, Cool Your Jets. Uh, again, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. Michael and I are having a lot of fun making these. Um, uh, and we're excited to keep making more. You can find our podcast on turnonthejets.com. Uh, there's a ton of uh, different podcasts, if you don't like ours, that you can listen to on Turn on the Jets. But we, we hope you like ours. There's also plenty of great written content um, on Turn on the Jets, so just make sure you check them out. Uh, and lastly, I guess we should just touch on the, a few scheduling um, things for the show. Uh, we tweeted this out, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, this show will drop on Mondays. It'll be after the games and whatnot. It gives us some structure. But again, the Jets plan on Monday night. The game will drop on, or the, the podcast will drop on Tuesday. If the Jets plan on Thursday, it'll drop on Friday. Preseason looks a little weird, so we had to change it up. So obviously, this episode's going to drop on Monday, which is a little different. We just had already set it in stone, so and I didn't get back uh, from a little vacation until yesterday. So this episode will dr- uh, drop on Monday. Um, this Friday, though, on August 16th, we'll have a post-Atlanta Falcons show drop. So the show will will have basically two in the same week. Uh, then on Tuesday, only a few days later, after that, we'll have a show which is a post Falcons or excuse me, not post Falcons, which is a pre Saints show. So we have the post Falcons show this Friday, August sixteenth, and then the pre Saints show on Tuesday, August twentieth. Because on Tuesday, August twentieth, we'll have a special guest. I guess I can announce it now. We'll put it out on Twitter. It doesn't we've already confirmed it or whatnot? Uh, Manish Mehta, who who's made some rounds on, on Jets podcasts and whatnot, but I obviously have, have had a chance to interview him a few times. Every time I've talked to him, it's been awesome. He's Really insightful, really fun to interview. Gives you a ton of information. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that podcast. I think that'll be uh, one of our best podcasts because Manish always brings the heat. Um, so you can look forward to that one on August 20th. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and yeah, Michael and I are working on, on you know, keep making these every week and, and you know, trying to get some some special guests in here to get some interviews and whatnot. Because uh, personally, that's probably my favorite part of, of having a podcast is every interview I've done has just been really fun. Um, I guess that rhymed. Uh, but Michael, anything you'd like to to add on the, on that schedule notice? Uh, well, I think before we finish up here, there is something that's bothering me, and I think my defensive bold prediction. I think I had one that's pretty ridiculous and one that is really ambiguous. So I kind of want to finish off with a realistic bold prediction for the Atlanta game. So I'll give that here before we finish. I think Sky Polite's going to get two sacks, and I think you're going to see Jets cornerbacks get two interceptions. Uh, combined and i think they're both going to be legitimate interceptions not tips or whatever uh, just really good plays on the football so clear that up those are my realistic bold predictions for this thursday night but uh but yeah really excited to continue with cool your jets this was another great episode and uh 
I'm, I'm just ready for the season to come. We got four Sundays as I speak right now and uh, very excited uh, for Buffalo to come. Yeah, football football season. I mean, obviously, summer ending is always sad, but just the knowing that uh, that Jets football is just right around the corner uh, gives me hope. Uh, awesome uh, podcast, Michael. Uh, really excited to keep doing this. Uh, again, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Really excited about this week against Atlanta. Let's hope the Jets can catch the W. Everybody have a great week, and we'll be back on Friday breaking down the Atlanta Falcons. Touchdown, CJ 